Hey church, what's good? For those of you guys who are joining for the first time, my name is Greg and I'm excited to bring the word of God to you today. Uh, we are in this series that we kicked off last week called What's Good? And with all the bad news that we were being bombarded with every single day, as a church, we want to keep our eyes open to the things around us that are good. We want to see what's good and we want to give praise where praise is due. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, the Bible says, think about such things. I want to take you back. I know we're still in the pandemic right now, but let's go back to the beginning of when COVID first hit. You guys remember those days? It seems like forever ago when everybody was in a scramble to get toilet paper and bottles of water. You remember those days when, when the lines at Costco and Trader Joe's would wrap around the building because people wanted to clear shelves of supplies? It was at that time when we thought to ourselves, man, there are going to be a lot of people in need. And we were thinking about the elderly who wouldn't be able to leave their homes. And so we thought we got to create a way where people can help each other during this time. Kind of like in the Acts chapter 2 church. So one of the things we came up with is we started a forum, and we called it the We Are Family Forum. In fact, you can go to our website right now under the resource tab. You can still find it there. And this is kind of like a classified ads, uh, in-house classified ads, and everything's free. But it's a way for you to post needs that you have. Maybe you need groceries. Maybe you need errands run because you can't leave your house. Maybe you really do need toilet paper and water. Maybe you need diapers. Whatever it is, you could post it on this We Are Family forum. And then for other people, you can go on to see if you can meet people's needs, or you can go ahead and post how you can help somebody. And what we found was very interesting. Immediately, people started posting stuff. And a lot of people started posting ways they can help, monetary, financial assistance. They can run errands for you. Somebody said, I could deliver Porto's baked goods. They could deliver Porto's bakery to your house. I, I just checked this past week. Somebody even said, I have a case of Starbucks Frappuccino and double espressos. I hit that person up this week and found out it is long gone, but it is there. So there's a lot of people saying, I can help. I want to give. But interestingly, not very many people at all said, I need help. There's not a lot of people asking for help. And our little team who put this together, we, we thought and we talked about it and we said, maybe people are ashamed. Like maybe people don't want to be out there publicly asking for help as if they were needy. So maybe it's a shame thing. So we came up with another solution. We created another web page on our website. We called it the COVID response page. And again, you can go on our website under the resource tab. It's right there, the COVID response page. And this was an anonymous way where you can fill out a form and let us know of any need you have or any way you can help. And nobody sees it except a couple of us in the office. Well, sure enough, virtually nobody filled out a form asking for help, but a whole list of you in this church. And I can show you the spreadsheet. A whole list of you express that you want to help in any way you can. Once again, financial assistance, services, childcare, diapers, milk, grocery runs. I can help mow your lawn. A lot of you said, I want to help and I can help. Well, just recently we learned of a, a mom in our church 
And many of you guys would recognize this dear sister if you saw her, but she had been going through a very challenging time. In fact, she had to move out of her house and find a new apartment in a new city and move in with her kids. And we knew it was a trying time, so we thought it would be very helpful if we could bless her with a love offering. And so what we did was we emailed just a a group of people who had communicated, we want to help somebody in a time of need financially. We emailed those people and said, here's the situation. There's no pressure. But if you would like to give to this single mom, uh, please let us know. And we were hoping, man, if we could raise $300 for her, that, that would help her much and express to her that we care. Well, immediately people responded. And what we were hoping for, when we were hoping for $300, $3,000 came in. And interestingly, at the same time when that email went out, we learned of another mom in our church, also a single mom of three, who had to stop working in August because there was this mass growing in her abdomen, so big, 25 centimeters growing inside of her, she couldn't work anymore until she could get attention. Until this day, we're still waiting for a surgery to be scheduled for her. But because she couldn't work, we figured maybe we can help bless her with some of that money that came in. Well, one of the men who donated to the first mom when he heard about her heard about the second mom, and so he gave 100 more dollars, and he wrote to me in an email, and he said to me, he said, Pastor Greg, I have money set aside in case of an emergency. This is an emergency. Please add it to my first donation and split it between the two and bless both moms. And I love that because here's a guy who set aside money in case he comes to an emergency and he sees her emergency as his own. Why? Because we are family. You know know what's good, church? Generosity is good. Generosity is really good. And that's what I want to talk about today. And if you think this is a message that's going to be guilt tripping you and telling you that you got to tithe more and give more to church, you can relax. You can relax because this is not what this message is about. This is not guilt tripping anybody. Rather, it's celebrating the generosity that we've already seen around us. And it's to show that this good can outshine the bad. And so I want to turn you to the scriptures today and I want to show you what's good. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Let's come before the Lord our God and let's pray that he would open our eyes and hearts. Let's pray. Father God, I really pray that at this time you would help us right now to really engage with your word. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be alive and working in our hearts. I pray from this amen to the next amen, that we would listen Not just with our ears, not just with our minds, but with our whole hearts. That we would allow you to speak into us and show us the heart of our Father and the call you have for your children. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us people that reflect you well. Lord, help us to be radically generous in all that we do for your name's sake. So please help us to listen with humility. We give you this time. Make it yours, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Today, I want to turn you to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is going to be the text we're going to be in today. So if you have your Bibles or your apps or maybe your website browser, turn to 2 Corinthians 9, and we'll be looking at verses 6 through 13. But I want to start off, let me read you the first few verses, 6 through 8. It goes like this. Paul's writing, and he says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You can underline that, that phrase. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So one thing you have to know is Paul's not talking about tithing here. He's writing to the Christians in Corinth about this monetary gift that they were sending to the Christians in Judea who were suffering in poverty. And as he's addressing them about this monetary gift they were giving their brothers and sisters, what did he say? He says it explicitly. This teaching that's repeated in scripture, he says, if you sow generously, you will reap generously. In other words, if you give much, much will be given to you. So would you write this down? This is the first point I want to make. Write this down in, in, in your notes. Generosity is good for you. Generosity is good for you. Let me explain what I'm talking about. Now imagine with me that I tell you that the gas station down our street sells these lottery scratchers. What if I told you that every scratcher is a winner? That every scratcher you will make at least your money back that you paid for that scratcher, if not even more. But you will not lose, you will always win. What would your response be? Wouldn't your response be, well, if that were true, then wouldn't everybody go and buy that ticket and play it all the time? And to that I would say, exactly. Right? If you knew you couldn't lose and you would win every time, why wouldn't everybody do it every time? Well, what if I told you that right here in the Bible it says, if you give much, much will be given to you. And you might respond to that saying, well, if that's true, then why doesn't everybody give all the time? And to that I would say, exactly. Exactly, right here in the Bible is the winning lottery ticket right here that so many people refuse to claim. And the question I have is, do you trust it? Do you trust what the Bible is saying right here? This simple principle that's clear and plain, that's repeated many, many times. If you give much, you will get much. Much will be given to you. Now... Before you pick up your stones and start throwing them at me, let me tell you what this is not. This is not the prosperity gospel. It is not. Why? Let me show you the difference. The prosperity gospel tells you that good health and good wealth is a sign of good faith. The prosperity gospel says that if you tithe faithfully, then you will experience great health and great prosperity in your life. I want to tell you that is... The false gospel. That is a false gospel. How do I know? Because I can show you godly men like Timothy in the Bible 
who had sickness and ailments, or like Ravi Zacharias who gave his life decades upon decades to defending the Christian faith, reaching millions of people with the gospel, who recently died of cancer. I could point to you men like Francis Chan, who has given millions and millions of dollars to the poor and to fight sex trafficking, and yet to this day he lives in the poorest parts of Hong Kong for the sake of the gospel. And so is good health and grand wealth a sign of good faith, an indication that one has good faith? Not necessarily. That is not the good news. That's bad teaching. That is the false prosperity gospel. But here's what the Bible does teach. And it says it very plainly. If you are willing to give generously, God will generously give to you. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? And I believe God would say, well, test me on that. Look what he says to the Israelites about his generous heart. To the Israelites, he says to, to them about their tithing. In Malachi 3, verse 10, he says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test. Test me, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Circle that word blessing. He says, test me and see that I don't open the heavens and pour out my blessing upon you. Test me. Test me. Now, my question is, he's going to pour out blessing. Can God bless you by giving you material, maybe even money, if you decide to give generously? And to that, I want to say, absolutely, he can. Absolutely, he can. You, you might know this story. You might have heard this story. But there's a man in our church who gets a fixed income every month. And he was working out his budget to see how much he's able to spend. And as he worked it out, he came to this problem. And the problem was that if he decided to tithe to God, then that would only leave him $4 to spend on himself. That's not a lot. And he, he came to Pastor Gary and he shared this with Pastor Gary. He said, Pastor Gary, if I tithe, then this is how much I have left for myself. What should I do? And Pastor Gary said to him, he says, well, what do you think God would want you to do? And he said to Pastor Gary, he said, well, I think God would want me to tithe. And so that man tithed. Not just that one time, he continues faithfully to sow into the kingdom of God. This man doesn't even have a car. So since this pandemic, if he couldn't take the bus, he would literally walk miles to church. No joke. He would walk three miles to church to drop off his envelope into our mailbox so that he can give generously to the kingdom of God. And his report back was, it's amazing. It's amazing how God has been providing for me and he's been blessing me through the body of Christ. I found this out just this past week. I talked to the life group. But there's this life group who's been loving on him and they've been making trips, dropping off groceries and giving him care packages and just checking in with him. And one of the gentlemen from the life group found out, asked them, they said, have you been able to watch the services and watch the, 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 the weekend messages? And he said, no. I don't have internet. 
And this broke his heart. So he goes back to his life group, and they talk about it, and they put together their money, and they buy this brother a cell phone, a, a smartphone. And they take turns. Each member of the life group takes turns paying for his monthly bill so that he can have unlimited data so that he can chime in and watch the weekend services and be connected to ministries such as the men's ministry on Saturdays. I love that picture because here is a man who has committed to sow generously into the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom has come around him to sow into him. Here is a man who has decided, I am going to sow generously to the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God has come around to sow generously into him. I don't even know if that life group knows that he walks miles to drop off his offering. I don't think that's why they do it. They're just being generous. And so they may not know of each other's actions, but God, our, our Father, sees all things. And when he says, if ye sow generously, you will reap generously, I think we can trust him and take him at his word. This is the biblical principle and promise. So can God bless us materially if we're generous? Absolutely. But I also want to say sometimes the blessing that we're going to reap isn't material. That blessing could be material or it could be spiritual. That blessing could be righteousness or greater faith or it could be joy. Maybe he wants to bless us with joy. How many of us wouldn't mind giving some money in order to receive some real joy? And I know that is not a problem for any of us. How do I know that? I'll tell you how I know. Because isn't that the root of why we all love money? Isn't that at the root of it? Because money somehow, we believe, buys us happiness or buys us gratification, or buys us some sense of contentment and fulfillment. That's what money does. There's nothing about green paper. It's what that green paper gets for you. And so we will go and buy that new car, or we will get the newest iPhone, or we will remodel our house because the money we spend, we believe, will somehow gratify us. Like, be honest, how many Amazon lovers do we have out there? How many Amazon addicts do we have out there? How many of you have an Amazon window open right now as you're listening to this? Some people just got caught right now, right? Because there's a real thing out there, Amazon Prime. And we know that we can buy something at a good price and we'll get it at our doorstep in a day or two. And so we look for the best deal out there and then we place our order and then what do we do? We're constantly checking the status. We're checking the, tra the, 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 the tracking on that. Why? Because we love finding that package on our porch. And once we do, we open it and we're happy that it finally arrived in, in just one or two days. And then the happiness wears off. And then what do we do? We go back on Amazon. We're looking for something else to buy at a good price. And then we, 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 we track our order even more. Why? Because we love having that package on our porch. It's this addiction that we have. How do I know? My friend told me. It's a real thing he said, right? And, and, and so this is something that, that we love to do. We love to try to buy things to bring us happiness. I want to ask a question. What if instead of only giving money to Amazon or eBay or Target 
or Nordstrom? What if also we were in the habit of giving money to help a family live, to help a suffering child be cared for, to help a hungry person eat? What if we made decisions to give our money to that? I believe that there is often a deeper, more meaningful, lasting joy when our material is given to those things. Just last week, another young mom reached out and she had messaged me asking for prayer. She too is a single mom. And she was asking for prayer because her nine-month-old baby, his name is Nehemiah, has been suffering from birth defects since he was born. He had a brain injury from a traumatic birth. At nine months old, she told me he's missing milestones that a nine-month-old should experience by now. He has developmental delays. He's been diagnosed with 15 different health issues, seven of them being chronic. And she, she tells me that a couple weeks ago, baby Nehemiah had five seizures in one morning and had to be rushed to the hospital. Last week when she reached out for prayer, baby Nehemiah had stopped breathing for two minutes. Once again, they were found in the hospital. And when I'm reading this, my heart's just breaking. Like no mom should ever have to go through something like this while having two other kids to have to care for. And so I asked her, I mean, besides prayer, we're going to pray for you, but is there anything else we can do as a church family to come around you? And after asking, I found out from her that she has no transportation. For four months, she's been without her car because her transmission needs to be fixed. And that's $1,400, and she doesn't have $1,400 to spend, so she's been trying to ask her dad for rides, and many times he can't even give her rides, so her trips to the hospital, if not from her dad, has sometimes come from the ambulance. And if not the ambulance, she's had to rely on Uber to get to her child in the hospital. So once again, we reached out to the people who said on the We Are Family forum or that COVID response page that I'd like to help someone in need, we reached out with this opportunity. And when I emailed, I said, hey, no pressure, no pressure, but here's an opportunity of a mom in need. If you would like to help, we'd love to help fix your transmission. And hoping for $1,400, immediately people started responding. Immediately, out of the generosity in their hearts, people responded one person said, I want to give $1,400. I want to pay for the entire thing. Just let me know how much, and it's covered. Another person said, I can give $82 right now. I want to give $82. Two different amounts. But each person gave joyfully. And I believe each person reaps the joy of knowing that they are helping a mom physically be with her child where that child can receive life-saving attention. Not only did we receive $1,400 to fix the transmission, but enough has come in for us to actually help purchase her a reliable used car. We were told that her 20-year-old car, even if you fix the transmission, you're going to run into all kinds of problems down the road, given how old her car is, and that's something she doesn't need to be thinking about right now. And so we have a brother in the church working on finding her, a reliable used car. And I'm telling you, the joy of those giving to this sister in need 
go so much deeper, last so much longer, go so much further than the shine of a new watch or the hype of a new iPhone. Because that shine and that hype will die down real quick. But the joy of knowing that your generous giving has impacted a soul goes deep. And so I want to say, when we give, when we give generously, we get what money tries to buy, a real joy and a lasting happiness. And so make note of this biblical principle. Generosity is good. That's what's good. Generosity is good for you, the giver. For the generous heart will reap the overflow of God's blessings. Now I want to take you back to the passage because I think it teaches us more than just that. Look, look at 2 Corinthians again, chapter 9. We're, we're in verse 10 now. He goes on and he says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, that's God, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So let me give you the big picture here, right? Because what did Paul just lay down in the previous verses we read? He laid down this principle. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. And I want to show you in the big picture of things, this isn't just some random principle, but this is strategically practical. Because look how the scriptures just flipped it. In these verses we just read, at first he said, if you sow generously, you'll reap generously. Now he's saying, now if you reap generously, then sow generously. This is the big picture here. And this big picture here is showing us that generosity is so much bigger than you. Generosity is so good, not just for you. But here's the second thing I want you to write down. Generosity is good for the gospel. That's the second point we have today. Generosity is good for the gospel. Let me try to illustrate what I'm talking about. So my wife and I, we have a financial manager. And for the past couple of years, we've been giving checks to this financial manager of ours that we trust. And, you know, he'll take it and he'll invest it in our kids' college fund or he'll put it in mutual funds, hopefully that, you know, it's supposed to grow and make us money. Well, this past year, I get to go to his new office. They got a new office, fully purchased, fully remodeled there in El Segundo. And I was like, this place is amazing. It looks like it came out of a design magazine. Pull into the parking lot, see his brand new BMW that he just got, M-Series. Sit down in his office, and he has this beautiful custom surfboard hanging over his head. And I said to him, I said, man, you must be doing really good. You must be doing really good to buy all these things. And you know what he said to me? He says, oh, you're talking about the car and the surfboard? He says, I just used the checks you've been giving me, and I was able to buy the car and the surfboard. Are you kidding? I couldn't believe what I'm, you were using my money and treating it like it was yours and buying these things to profit yourself? Like, can you believe that? Don't, because it's not true. It's a parable. Here's the point of, of, of this parable. You and I, 
if we were to have financial managers, we would trust them to take our money and invest it as if it were our money, because it is our money. Rather than pocket it himself, he would take our money and wisely invest it according to our interests. Wouldn't we? That's what we trust financial managers to do. And in the same way, God entrusts us to be managers, to be good stewards of the resources that belong to him while we are here on earth. He entrusts these things to us to invest for his purposes. Do you realize that all that we have here on earth is on loan to us from God? It all belongs to him. Our time belongs to him. Our money belongs to him. Our house belongs to him. Our gifts belong to him. Our kids belong to him. All that we have is from him and is for him. And I know some people at hearing that will, will start to protest in our hearts and will say, no, 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 no. I worked for this money. I grinded for this money. And I would say to you, who gave you your job? Who gave you your skills? And he'll say, no, no, no. I studied four years in undergrad. I went to med school. I worked for this job. And I'll say to you, who gave you your brain? Who gave you the privilege of education? That didn't come from nowhere. God gave that to you. None of what we have came from us. But we are just stewards. And managers of God's resources while we are here on earth. Now, the real truth is Monica and I, we do have a financial manager. And we do give him checks to invest for us. Now imagine with me, hypothetically, let's say every time he takes our check, he makes good investments. And every single time, consistently, he comes back and says, hey, Greg and Monica, I, I was able to double your money. That check you gave Gave to me, I invested it and doubled it. Let's say he does that. How would we respond? I would be like, take my money, right? Do it again. Like invest it more. Double it again. Would we not? We would be more inclined to give him more, not less. We would say, we trust you. We trust you because you are investing wisely for our interest and you're not pocketing it yourself for your interest. I think we would all do the same. And yet Jesus teaches that very thing in his parables. Like throughout the gospels, over and over again, he talks about money managers as an analogy to, to our servanthood. Right? Luke chapter 6. That's a great chapter to read. Luke chapter 16, another one about money managers. Matthew 25, you're familiar with this story. Where the master gives his servants, his managers... He gives them the master's money, and he goes out of town, and out of the three managers, the three servants, two of them actually invest it, and they double the master's money. You know the story. What does the master say in Matthew 25, verse 23? It says, the master said to him, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Here's the moral of the parable. In verse 29, Jesus says, For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. 
But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So this scriptural principle of give more, get more, is strategically practical. This scriptural principle is strategically practical. If you invest what he's given you, if you invest what he's entrusted to you, he will trust you to invest even more. We would do the same thing with our money managers. If you invest according to his interest, he'll give you more to invest. Give much, get much. Then you can give much more. Give much, get much. Then you can give so much more. Do you see how this principle is so much bigger than just you? That generosity is not only good for you, but that there is something so much bigger going on in the big picture. It is about the gospel of the kingdom. Generosity is good for the gospel. So don't miss this. Do not miss the heart of this biblical promise. Because this principle of give much, get much is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It is not. That's not what this is about where you can give so much generously to get more for yourself. That's not what this is about. Because if you are giving to experience God's overflowing blessing and you see that as an end in itself and it stops right there, then you're missing the heart behind biblical generosity. Like if your goal is to, to be generous so that, that you can get God's abundance so you could finally pad your bank account and get that TV for your living room or remodel your kitchen as you've always wanted or get those fresh kicks, you're missing the heart behind biblical generosity. When we are generous, God entrusts us with more so that we would be in a position to be greater conduits of his grace and his goodness to others. So that more and more people can be blessed to know the giver and thanksgiving would go to our God. He entrusts us with more. Why? Because he knows we'll give more. When you give generously, he sees your heart. And he'll give you more so that you can give even more. Go back to 2 Corinthians with me, chapter 9. And pick it up from verse 11. Let me show you what we're talking about. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will what? Will result in thanksgiving to God. This is the end goal. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people... But is also overflowing in what? In many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So this is what it's about. You sow generously so you can reap generously. And when you reap generously, You'll have more to sow generously. Sow generously into what? Into his kingdom. 
You're sowing seeds into the kingdom. The heart behind biblical generosity is the spread of the gospel so that praises would turn to the Father. See, listen, you could give millions of dollars away to the American Red Cross or give hundreds of dollars to your kid's fundraiser at school. You could give hundreds of hours to volunteer at the the local vet, and that's all good. If you want to do that, that's fine. But listen, biblical generosity isn't merely just giving away your time and your money and your resources because that makes you feel good and makes you feel like you're doing a good thing. That's not biblical generosity. Biblical generosity always considers the question, how can God be praised and how can the gospel be made known because of my giving? How does my giving help turn thanksgiving to God and help people turn to the gospel of Christ? See, because a lot of times when people are going through a time of perpetual neediness and they're hurting and they can't make rent and they're without clothes or without food or they're going through tough times, who is the first person that gets the blame? Who is the first person that they turn to? Oftentimes it's that guy. God, do you even care about me? Like, are you really a good father like they see? Do you even really exist? Because look at me here. And so he's the one that they usually turn and shake their fist to. And when a person is in a state of perpetual neediness, a lot of times people will turn from God, people will curse God, or even deny his existence. But what if, what if your generosity is a tangible expression of God's goodness to that person in need? What if your decision to share is the very thing that person needed to know that God cares? What if you showing up in their life at that time is interpreted by them as God just showed up in the nick of time? A lot of people will interpret God through their circumstance. And what if God is calling you at times in this lifetime to give generously? Because in those moments, many people will turn and give deep thanks in their soul. Yeah, to you, yeah. But ultimately to God. Because they're looking for God in their circumstances. And so I want to say to you, friends, if God has blessed you, if God has blessed you in any way, with a lot or a little bit, if God has blessed you, he has not given to you generously so that you would have plenty, period. He has given to you generously so that you would have plenty to share. That's why God wants to bless you, so that you would be a blessing. And that's why he wants to bless you even more, so that you would bless even more. He has given you plenty to share. And so I pray that church, whether you're giving $20 or $200 or $2,000, that you will see that that has way more worth than its face value. That it could have eternal, infinite value when it causes people to turn and give thanks to the Father. When people see Jesus through your expressions of generosity. So church, don't just give generously. Don't just give generously. Give generously in the name 
of Jesus. Consider how does my giving produce thanksgiving to the one doing the giving? How does my giving produce thanksgiving to the giver? That's what it's about. I want to let you know, church, I want to give you a heads up that there's going to be opportunities as we're heading into Thanksgiving, we're heading into Christmas, to be generous and bless people. Thanksgiving, we're we're working on a project to provide warm Thanksgiving dinners for families in need. Christmas, we're going to have Operation Christmas Child where you could put together a shoebox and bless a child in another country. We're also working on creating sponsorships to sponsor a child and Bless them with a Christmas gift in the Philippines. And so those are coming up. So look forward to these opportunities that we'll be giving you more details about. But what a way to be generous in the name of Jesus. But I want to close with this. And I hope this brings it home for all of us. But you know, as a father, as a parent, I have three kids. And I often wonder, and I'm sure many parents could identify with me. But I often wonder, I wonder if my kid really realizes how blessed he is, how blessed they are. Like, I wonder if my kid realizes that everything he enjoys, his house, his toys, his bike, his iPad, all of that is from us, his parents. Like, that didn't come from nowhere. We provided it for him, for them. We all wonder that, don't we, parents? I'll never forget in 2016, it was in June, it was Father's Day. And my six-year-old son at the time, Evan, he was six at the time, he comes to me and he asks me a question that kind of caught me off guard. And he says, Daddy, what do you want for Father's Day? And I was like, he actually cares? Like, this kid has a heart, like he cares what I want for Father's Day? And he he genuinely asked me, what do you want? And so I, I looked down at him and I looked him in the eyes and I said, son, I want a new surfboard. <laughs> like, I was... I was actually serious. I really wanted a new surfboard at the time. It had been on my mind. But, you know, new surfboards are like six to $800. There's no way the six-year-old kid can afford a surfboard, right? So I don't expect him to really get me a surfboard. And he looks at me when I said that, and he doesn't even say anything. He just turns around and walks away, right? I'm a grateful kid. Just walks out of the room on me. A few moments later, he actually returns back into the room. And in his hands, he has his piggy bank. And I actually took a picture of this to capture this moment because it's very special to me. And he comes with this piggy bank. And he looks at me and he says, Dad, take all my money so you can buy a surfboard. <laughs> when he said that, I see in this piggy bank these crumpled up bills and change that he's saved over the years. And do you know what was going on in this father's heart? In my heart, I was thinking, I wonder where I could buy a surfboard for $16.47. Like, I'm using this, right? No, no, no. No, in my heart, I was thinking, man, this is not much to me. But this is everything to him. Like, this is all that he had. And he is willing to give it to use for his father's pleasure and his father's purposes. Here, use this, Daddy. And for me, it took that much, just $16.47, to make me as a father want to just give him more and to bless his generous heart because that's all he had. Church, may we see that all we have is from him 
and it's for him. And I pray that we would grow generous hearts that would want to use all that we have for our Father's purposes and for our Father's pleasure. And I pray that you will see that when you do and you give generously, you will be blessed. Let me pray for you as we bow our heads. Let's come before the Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would take this word and you would plant it deep in our hearts. That in no way do we see this as a, as a guilt trip to have to give to anyone or anybody, any church or any organization. But God, I pray that your spirit would create in us generous hearts that reflect our Father. You have been so good and so gracious to us. God, you've given us everything. You've given us your son. You've given us eternal life. And if that's not enough, you've given us your spirit who gives us life, who gives us fruit, who gives us gifts, gives us abilities. You, Lord, you keep on giving. Your grace is abundant and your blessings overflow. And so, God, I pray that we, your people, would reflect our generous Father that we would look for opportunities to give and not just give, but to give in the name of Jesus that attached to it would be some confession of the gospel so that praise would go to the Father, that thanksgiving would be unto God and that the kingdom would be built. God, may the gospel spread through us because of our willingness to give generously. Use us for your glory and your namesake. And we pray this. Jesus' name.